The rest of you can turn uh, in your bulletin or in your Bible to John chapter 15. We're going to be looking at the first nine verses there. As you're turning there, um, I wonder if you've ever uh, thought that something was like guaranteed to happen, like it was a lock that this thing was going to happen, uh, but then something fell through and it, and it didn't happen. Um, I'll never forget uh, the, the summer right after I graduated from high school, I got a ticket to see John Mayer live in concert. This was in Kansas City, Missouri at this really cool venue. It's called the River Market, this outdoor venue right downtown. Just this really neat spot. I was newly obsessed with John Mayer. And this was right when he was really starting to like get a lot of national popularity. My brother and his friends were coming back from college to go to this concert with me. And just the hype just kept building and building as we thought about going to this concert. And this was still kind of in the early days of the internet. And especially in the early days of buying tickets online. Um, and so I go online the day of the concert to print off my ticket. And as I'm on Ticketmaster's website, I probably should not have just said Ticketmaster, but I mean, who else was it going to be, right? Ticketmaster notifies me as I try to print my ticket uh, that, I, that the purchase for the ticket, it never actually went through. And that it was never finalized, and I did not have a ticket to get into that concert. And I was devastated. I was 18 years old, and I actually set in my very ancient large computer and cried because I wasn't going to be able to go to the concert. I had been looking forward to this concert for months. Uh, so much buildup. And literally it was the day of my brother and his friends were there with me in the room as I was printing off, trying to print off this ticket. And I found out that I didn't have a ticket and I couldn't get in. And so I found myself in this very odd situation of being with the people who were going to get into the concert whereas I myself was not going to get in to the concert. Um, there can be an assumption that we make in our spiritual health. And the assumption is that, all right, because I'm around the church, or because I attend church sometimes, that I therefore have a real relationship with Jesus. Uh, that because I'm around the people of God, therefore I'm truly a part of the people of God. We're in a series right now looking at how the Bible talks about the church. And our passage this morning is going to help us to ask a deeper question that we really need to wrestle with. And here it is. Am I personally really connected to Jesus? Or am I just hanging around people that are? Our text is going to invite us to reflect on that question this morning. This is John chapter 15, verses one through nine. Beginning in verse one, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. 
If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. The word of the Lord. Father, we do thank you for your word and we pray that by your Holy Spirit you would speak to us now. Eliminate your scriptures to us. Give us eyes to see it. Shine light on it. Shine light into our hearts. Apply it to us. Uh, We really want to hear from you. We want to be different than we are now. We want to grow in you. So would you meet us towards that end? And Father, we pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so here's the question. How do we know if we're connected to Jesus? Uh, Two related uh, signs or tests, you could say, from our passage this morning. The first is that we abide. And secondly, that we bear fruit. First sign that we are truly connected to Jesus is that we abide. Listen to the words of Jesus around abiding in our passage, beginning in verse 4. Even look there and follow along and maybe strike it with your pen every time you see the word abide. He says in verse 4, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Skip down to the end of verse 9. He says, abide in my love. We just heard the word abide a lot. Um, And even just hearing that word... um, context of hearing the word almost begins to define it for us where you kind of get a sense of what that means just by kind of hearing it used Um, but let's zoom in and define it Um, there's a definition by the way that's in your discussion questions for your neighborhood groups if you want to see it word for word but here's the definition of what it means to abide in Christ it is to continue in daily personal relationship with Jesus characterized by trust prayer obedience and joy That's abiding. To continue in daily personal relationship with Jesus, characterized by trust, prayer, obedience, and joy. Um, Abiding in Jesus, (coughs) excuse me, is actively living in relationship with him. And this relationship, it shows itself in how we live. Think about this. Think about the stages of a relationship, of like a dating relationship, as it moves from dating to marriage. Upon first meeting someone, going on some dates initially, Dates are casual. The relationship is casual. Nothing is locked in yet. The relationship is not the center of everything you do in life. Life does not yet revolve around that other person. You're just sort of getting to know each other. Time goes on, though, as you're dating. Things get more serious and you get engaged. Um, At this point, there is official commitment. There's a promise that has been made. Um, There's this active nurturing of the relationship. And the engagement leads to marriage. And it's a committed covenant relationship in which each party commits to nurturing the relationship and essentially committing to building your life, your entire life, your future around the other person and your life together. Um, 
that marriage is not just like an afterthought. Um, it's not um, like an additional item like on your resume, like, you know, I work in accounting, I like to play golf, I watch basketball, I'm married. It, it's not just like another item on your list of kind of who you are. Um, it is a big deal. It is a clear, defining reality for each person. And anyone who knows any of those people in that marriage relationship, they know that, that, their, that their life kind of revolves around that marriage. That's a key part of who they are, of their identity, that their lives are defined by it to a large degree. And if it wasn't that way, uh, if it seemed sort of like an afterthought, there would be cause for concern about the health of that marriage. Abiding in Jesus means your relationship with Jesus is a big deal. So much so that everyone around you knows that you have a relationship with Jesus. That it's a clear priority for you. All right, there are some specific ways in which this passage helps us understand more about what it means to abide. And the first is this, that we abide in Jesus. And you see that in verse 4 and just really all throughout. Um, And to abide in Jesus is to delight in Jesus. Uh, We know what it means to delight. I delight in my morning pour over of coffee. It brings me actual joy. I not only look forward to drinking that cup of coffee in the morning, I look forward to going to bed at night so that I can wake up, so that I can drink my cup of coffee. I love the process. I love the process of pouring that hot water over those fresh grounds. I love the first sip of coffee in the morning. Sometimes I'll close my eyes when I take the first sip of coffee just to really appreciate it, to really uh, just soak in that first taste of coffee. It's delight. Do you feel that way about Jesus? Well, you really look forward to being with him. And you're really just enamored for who he is and what he's like. Uh, One of the ways that this shows itself is in our prayer lives. That you delight in being with him and talking to him. That you you prioritize it. It's it's a significant part of your life, being with Jesus in prayer. Um, Verse 7 actually mentions prayer specifically. It's saying that our abiding is going to lead to praying. And and those prayers are going to be so in line with who Jesus is um, because we so know what he loves and what he longs for that we're going to be praying for those things. And so therefore those prayers will be answered. Um, To abide in Jesus is to delight in him and to delight in being with him. And It needs to be said, too, that to abide in Jesus is to abide in Jesus. Uh, This means that we are united to Jesus. That when we put our faith in him, we're connected to him in a personal and lasting way. That as it goes for Jesus, now so it goes for us as those united to him. That we're actually hidden in Christ. That's how connected we are to him. Uh, My default Halloween costume over the last five years or so has been a giant dog costume. Um, It's almost like a kind of a dog mascot costume, basically. It's kind of the full suit, head to toe with a big mask, and it even has like paw gloves and shoes and everything. Um, And so when I put on this costume, you don't see me. Uh, You see this giant cartoon-like dog, um, even to the point where this was two years ago on Halloween, um, where I was wearing the dog costume and I had a complete stranger with a baby come up to me in the middle of the street on Halloween and say, hey, will you hold my baby? I want to take a picture of you and my baby together in this dog costume. 
Great. One of the weirdest things I've ever done. Um, when people saw me walking down the street on Halloween, they did not see Jonathan. They saw the giant cartoon-like dog. When we are in Christ, when we're united to him, he covers us. The Father looks at us and sees the righteousness of Jesus, his purity, his beauty, his holiness, his perfection. Uh, the Father looks at us and sees the forgiveness that was purchased by Jesus on our behalf, our, our cleansing that is ours in him. We're united to Jesus. The next thing we see about abiding is that not abiding means we don't have a real relationship with Jesus. Not abiding means we don't have a real relationship with Jesus. Look at verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. Um, we have to be united to Jesus in order to have a true relationship with him. If we're not united to him, we're not abiding in him, and we really don't know him. And the text says that the results of that are being forever separated from God. Um, that those branches that are not living and connected to the vine will be thrown out. Not abiding means we don't have a real relationship with Jesus. Third thing about abiding. Abiding in Jesus means his word abides in us. We see this in verse 7. Um, we know Jesus by knowing him in his word. Uh, scripture and, and Bible reading, it isn't something that we feel like we just like legalistically or begrudgingly just kind of like have to do. Like we have to like check that box a few minutes every day. Sort of like the grind of being a Christian. Like we have to kind of muscle through like a quiet time or whatever you want to call it. His word becomes a source of nourishment and delight. In the words of one of my mentors, that time becomes a get-to, not a have-to. Have you ever been reading the Bible and thought, I love the Bible. This is amazing. Um, it's sort of like the feeling you get when you, when you discover an author that you really love, and you read a, your first book from them, and suddenly you're, you're finding everything that they've ever written and you're reading. Or you discover a new musician, and suddenly you're going back through all the catalog and listening to all of their songs and their previous albums. Um, th this is the path to God's word abiding in us that, that we actually love it. And this leads to one more aspect of abiding. Abiding means we abide in Jesus' love. We see that in verse 9 at the very end of the passage. Um, we shouldn't hear abiding as more work to do in our Christian journey. Uh, we should hear abiding as loving invitation. It's incredible what he says there in just a few words. The Father loves the Son. The Son loves you. Abide in that love. Um, sometimes endurance athletes like cyclists or runners, they'll sleep in an altitude tent. Um, they may live at sea level, sort of like us, and like train at sea level, but at night 
They'll sleep in a special tent inside their homes uh, that gives them uh, the, the certain amount of oxygen that's the equivalent of living up high, um, like up in the mountains, up high at altitude. And for them to spend um, eight hours a night, you know, totally enveloped at that oxygen level, it helps their lungs and their bodies sort of get used to that and sort of sit in that. And, then, and therefore they can perform better when they go out and they race, all by just co- constantly breathing in the specific air each night. Abiding in Jesus' love means being totally enveloped in his love. Of just breathing it in as much as we can and letting it shape us and form us. Resting in it. Reminding ourselves frequently of the fact that we are loved. Uh, In the same way that you might tell your children multiple times a day when they leave for school, when they leave for soccer, when they go to bed at night, how much you love them. Because you know they need to hear that. It's true, it's how you feel about them, and you know they need to hear that. It's identity forming, it's stabilizing, it's security for them when they hear that. We need to be reminded that God loves us. And we need to remind each other that we are loved by Him. First sign that we're really connected to Jesus is that we abide in Jesus the branches abide in the vine. And this does not mean that we earn our way into abiding in Jesus, that we prove ourselves good enough or worthy enough or, or that we do the right things. That's off the table. That's impossible. Our sin is too bad. Our disobedience against God, we've already ruined that. Not possible. Um, but His unmerited grace, His favor, it rescues us and it calls us up into relationship with Jesus, and this relationship is then shown forth in our abiding. First sign we're connected to Jesus is that we abide. Secondly, second sign we're connected to Jesus is that we bear fruit. Bearing fruit is an image that's used really throughout the Bible, and we saw it in our confession of sin this morning from Luke 6, where Luke says that good trees bear good fruit, bad trees bear bad fruit, pretty straightforward. Um, John uses that imagery here to help us understand what it means to be personally connected to Jesus. And there's a few things um, that we learn about bearing fruit. And the first is this. The branches are pruned in order to bear more fruit. Look at the end of verse 2. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. All right, this is saying that there are healthy living branches that need specific parts of them cut off and removed in order to bear more fruit. Um, that even with the healthy living branches, there are certain things that that, on that branch that need to be taken away in order for that branch to be healthier and to bear more fruit. What's that talking about? This is the loving, refining work of God in our lives to make us more like Jesus. Did you notice in verse 1 how God the Father is referenced as the vine dresser? I have neighbors that uh, take meticulous care of their trees in their backyard. It's really an art to watch them do this. Um, And the most beautiful cared for trees, the ones that have the most beautiful blossoms and growth, are the trees that they spend the most time pruning. They're out there with with their little pruning shears, pruning the bad things off of the tree. Here's how the author of Hebrews talks about it. You can write this down. Hebrews 12, 5 through 11. It would be good to revisit later. It says, And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by Him. 
For the Lord disciplines the one He loves and chastises every son whom He receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. For the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who've been trained by it. Discipline seems painful at the time, but later it yields fruit. Um, It hurts to be pruned by God, but he's actually caring for us and loving us and making us healthier. And we're stepping into a lot of mystery here. Uh, We cannot always know why hard things are happening in our lives or why we've had to go through really hard things. Um, We can't always know why. Um, Sometimes we're experiencing consequences of our own sin, just kind of naturally occurring results or consequences of behavior. Maybe we broke a law, we got arrested, and there are legal consequences or ramifications that we have to deal with because of that. There are just some consequences. Um, Sometimes it's just a matter of living life in a broken, fallen world where an unexpected medical diagnosis or a sudden, um, unexpected job loss happens. And sometimes it's God's loving discipline of us as his children. It's God pruning us of things in our lives that are somehow, from his perspective, a hindrance to us. Um, And if those things are removed we might actually bear more fruit and grow to be healthier in who he is making us to be. Uh, But one thing we know for sure that God is not punishing us for our sin. And we know this because the punishment for our sin has been paid for completely by Jesus. This is why the Apostle Paul says in Romans 8.1 that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus took the punishment He paid for it. We are no longer paying for our sin. We don't stand condemned. He was condemned for us. But sometimes the hard things we're experiencing are the things in which the vine dresser is using. Uh, He's he's pruning those things away to make those those branches on the vine healthier. And that pruning, it hurts temporarily. But it's healthy in the long run. That's the first thing we see about bearing fruit. Secondly, we see that bearing fruit glorifies the Father. Look at verse 8. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Um, Have you ever noticed um, while watching a sporting event on TV that uh, if a player uh, makes a great play and if the, the parents of that player are actually physically present at the event, the camera will pan up and show the parents' reaction to that player making uh, the great play. This happened, it seems like it happened a ton during the NCAA March Madness basketball tournament where uh, a player would make a clutch three-pointer and immediately the camera, after showing that player, pans up to their parents and it shows mom and dad in the stands hugging and celebrating and crying. Um, you know, in that moment, what's happening? Uh, the good work of that player is shining light up on their parents. 
Um, the attention of millions of viewers has now been redirected from the one who made the good play to the parents of that one who made the good play. When we live as followers of Jesus and we bear fruit that is consistent with following Jesus, it puts our Father in the spotlight. Jesus says it this way in Matthew 5. He says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Bearing fruit, it glorifies the Father. Third thing we see about bearing fruit. We must remain connected to the vine in order to bear fruit. Look at verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Verse 4. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. We were sitting in our backyard this past week and my five-year-old pulled um, a flower out of this planter that we have and she literally picked it out and kind of tore it right at the bottom um, of the stem and she took the flower over to my wife, Erin, and she asked her, she said, Mom, can we plant this flower somewhere? And Erin explained to her, um, well, you know, the flower, it's not actually going to do anything now that we've torn it away from the roots. It, it won't grow if we plant it somewhere. So, you, you know, you can just hold on to it and just enjoy it for what it is. It won't do anything. It's not connected. If we are not connected to Jesus by faith, we will not bear fruit. Um, We cannot manufacture Christ-likeness apart from Christ. Here's a question we started with again. Are you really personally connected to Jesus? Do you have a real relationship with Him? Are you abiding? Are you bearing fruit? Or are you merely hanging around the people who know Him? When I realized that I didn't have a ticket to the John Mayer concert, I was devastated. And it only made it worse that I was literally in that moment, in that room, surrounded by people that had a ticket that would get them in. And I just felt so helpless. Like, there's nothing I can do about this. It's the last minute. Concert's in a couple hours. I can't do anything about this. But as we're all together that afternoon, one of our friends there in the room with us remembered that he basically had a friend of a friend who worked at the concert venue. And so he made a call to someone who made a call. And this guy that worked at the concert venue, he had access to the tickets. And he agreed to not only give me a ticket, but to give me a ticket for free. And I'll never forget uh, walking up to that meeting spot outside of the concert venue. And he hands me the ticket a ticket which I did not earn or pay for. And I take that ticket, and because he had given it to me, I walk right up to the gate, they scan the ticket, I go inside to the concert, and I'm not exaggerating, to this day, that was one of the greatest concerts that I've ever experienced. If you're not connected to Jesus, how do you get connected to him? Because it really can be a helpless feeling if you're hearing about Jesus Maybe you're around people that are connected to Jesus and they seem really grounded in Him. They seem secure in Christ. And you've come to realize, hey, I want, I want what they have. Uh, but you also realize that there's nothing in your power that you can do to, to get it. And if that's where you find yourself, that's actually a really healthy place to be. Because this is where Jesus comes to us. 
He comes to us in our helplessness. He comes to us in our inability to get in with Him on our own. And He gives us the ticket to get in by His life and His death and His resurrection. Uh, Because our sin was so bad that we could not get in. So He died to pay for it on our behalf. That's what He's referring to in verse 3 where He talks about making us clean. He has cleansed us from our sin. We needed perfect righteousness in order to get in. Guess what He did? He lived perfectly for us. Now what? Receive the gift. Receive the gift from Him and walk into this new life. Uh, To be a part of the church, to be a living branch, you have to be connected to the vine. All else is in vain if you are not connected to the vine. And this is possible today if you surrender your life to Jesus and put your faith in Him. Won't you receive Him this morning? Let's pray. Oh, Father, thank You for this Word. We just confess that We long to be branches that are connected to the vine, living branches, abiding, abiding in the vine, bearing fruit on behalf of the vine. And we just cry out that we cannot make that happen. We need your grace. We need your mercy. Um, Only you can overcome what our sin has ruined. And so we ask you to do that today. Father, for those here without faith, would you give them the gift of faith? For those here with faith, struggling to really believe and to rest in you, would you remind them of the security that is yours, that is theirs in you? Father, thank you for this good news. Would you prepare us now to come to your table? In Jesus' name, amen.